Oh, good morning, Word of Life. Come on, are you glad you made it to church today? Are you glad you got here? Can we also welcome everyone that's watching online? Come on, let's give a big warm welcome, everyone in the room, to everyone that is able to be a part of church today. Uh, today is a big day. Um, it is Mike Chiz's birthday. Pastor Mike, it is his birthday. He's 85. He said all he wants for his birthday is to have a bounce house. So that's what Ann got figured out for him at the house this afternoon. So if you're wondering this afternoon, how's Pastor Mike celebrating his birthday? He's at his house, jumping up and down the bounce house in his backyard, having the time of his life. So uh, he said last week, he said, I hope you keep making fun of me because Pastor Randy's been doing it for all these years. It feels really strange. I'm happy to oblige. Um, <laughs> I, I'm happy, it's a sacrifice, but I'm happy to step in. Um, but something that we do as part of services, um, not necessarily every week, but from time to time, is that we uh, will take a point in service and we'll pray uh, over uh, the different prayer requests that have come in throughout the week. So we have a wonderful group of people that make up our prayer team and prayer chain, of course, the pastoral staff. So as, um, as you as the congregation or anybody submits a prayer request, there are people that are committed to pray for those prayer requests throughout the week. Every once in a while, we'll pause and we'll take a time in service and we'll pray over the prayer requests that have come in lately um, and believe that God's going to move uh, in the prayer requests that have come in. And we did that last week. Those of you who are here, you may remember, we took a time and we prayed for prayer requests that had come in. And as I was listening, to that as part of service, one thing that was said is that so many people had written in and they'd said that they needed guidance. And that was a big prayer request that had come in and it, it got me thinking as I got to uh, what had been this past Monday as I'm in my office and I'm praying and I'm thinking about, you know, what to uh, talk through and what to bring this morning as part of the message. And they kept coming back to me that there were so many people that were asking for guidance that that was their prayer request is that they wanted God to help them in whatever area. There was a myriad of things as far as I know, but it was this need for guidance. And I think that was probably representative of more people than the ones that had just taken the time to actually put in a prayer request. There's probably a number of us that are feeling this need to have guidance, you know, to have the Lord's guidance in our lives. Uh, and if we're not feeling it right now, how many of you know there will 100% definitely be a time in life where you will need the Lord's guidance? Amen? So I wanted to think about that today, and I wanted to consider it with you as part of the service. Uh, and one of the things that I sort of thought through as I was coming up with this, you know, this big thought about guidance, about the guidance of God and all these different things, it kind of came to me that there was a number of things and a handful of things and a handful of reasons that one would put in that prayer request that somebody would ask for guidance from God and, you know, whether it's something like there's a big decision that's coming up, you know, that they're faced with a fork in the road, that, you know, perhaps there's a new job offer uh, or which college to go to, there's a, a big purchase that somebody needs to make, but, but there's a big choice that needs to be made, and so in that we would ask for the Lord's guidance as we're faced with a big choice. Uh, and there's also this, uh, you're entering into somewhat of an unknown season, or perhaps there's a blank page in front of you. But nevertheless, life, you just look at it and think something needs to change. Something new needs to happen. There's a new season that needs to come. Oftentimes this happens when somebody graduates from college and there's a little bit of a, and what now? Or there's a life change and there's this feeling of, and what now? And so in this moment where there's somewhat of a blank page, we're facing the unknown, I think it makes sense that that would be a time where we would say, Lord, we need guidance. Uh, or also, you know, if life is just in absolute chaos, if life is just falling apart, if there's unexpected things or ongoing things, whether it's relational turmoil, whether there's a health crisis, whether a career has ended suddenly, but this feeling of helplessness, 
this feeling of like, okay, I'm in a crisis. I think that would also be a time where many of us would come and would say, okay, Lord, I need guidance. And so this is a big thing that has come up, and there's a number of different ways we could think through this, but whether it's there's a crisis going on, and God, we need you to step in, something unexpected is happening, God, we need to figure out how to handle all this, or you're facing a big choice, even if it's two good options. That feeling of, Lord, I need you to step in. Or whether there's just this, this season of unknown, like, God, something needs to change here. I can't keep going on like this. Something needs to take a turn here. And with all these feelings, there's often a verse that gets said. It's a very well-known verse. It's going to be our main verse for today. And this is one of those verses that we put on coffee cups. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a verse that we put on fridge magnets. Everybody, so there's a verse that we know well, and I want to share it with you. And as I dug in a little bit, I found this verse to be extremely helpful. And this is a verse that many of us will know very well. It's from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. So the solution that we can get from this proverb for making big decisions, whether we're facing the unknown, whether there's a crisis, whatever it may be, is to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Now, how many of you know that's a lot easier said than done? It's real nice to say that to someone when life is falling apart. It's real nice to say that when someone's facing a big choice. But actually putting that into practice is not quite as easy as just reading the words from the page like I just did. See, to trust in the Lord with all our heart, if we take this from this proverb, what we need to overcome is leaning on our own understanding. That's what the proverb is setting up for us. That's what the proverb is teaching is that to trust in the Lord with all our heart, that's how we need to navigate life. That's how we should go through life. But what's tripping us up, what's preventing that from happening is leaning on our own understanding. And in the Hebrew, the, the idea of leaning, it literally is leaning, as in literally to lean, to put confidence in, to rest on, to steady yourself, is to lean on our own understanding. And our understanding, I mean, if you think about what shapes our understanding, what makes up our understanding and our perception of the world, our experiences, what we're taught by others, our opinions, our logic, our best judgment, all these things make up our understanding. And the proverb is teaching that instead of resting on our understanding, resting on our perception, resting on our best judgment, resting on our opinions, resting on what we're taught by, resting on our experience, instead, transfer that to trusting in the Lord with all our heart. Not half-heartedly. Not when it makes sense. Not in those areas where we're comfortable to trust Him, but trust in the Lord with all our heart. And to be able to do that, it means completely overhauling our a complete understanding, completely reworking our understanding of the world around us. And it means that we need to change where we're leaning, so that where we're leaning and where we're resting and where we're putting our confidence is in the Lord with all our heart. And verse 5 that we just read is, is really a pair uh, of Proverbs. There's a pair of verses along with verse 6. So let's read them both together because there's a lot in verse 6 as well that I think is extremely helpful as we think about this idea of, of guidance and the need for guidance in our lives. So Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Acknowledge Him. And acknowledge I think is, a, is an interesting word to use here. Another way you could say this is to deeply involve. To acknowledge could be said to be deeply involved. So to say to acknowledge him in all your ways is to deeply involve him in all your ways. 
to be deeply involved. This is the way that we bring our ways. This is the way that we have God in our ways. All our ways is to have him deeply involved, not just so that he's aware of what's going on, not just like a consultant, but deeply involved. And this is what acknowledging him in all our ways looks like. And to acknowledge him in all our ways, to depend on him, uh, to have him deeply involved in all our ways, in every situation, with everything that we are. The big decisions that we're facing deeply involve him in those choices, in figuring out our next step. As we're facing the unknown, deeply involve God in trying to figure out what to pursue next. And the unexpected and in the crisis, deeply involve God in how to bring peace to what is going on in the situation that you are up against. And the promise is, he will make our path straight. He will make our path straight and the straight path instead of the crooked path. The straight path contrasted with a crooked path means that there's nothing to stumble on. It's smooth. There's nothing to trip us up. There's nothing to catch us off guard. We have a clear vision of what's ahead. It's safer from thieves and robbers who don't have a corner to hide behind. It's more direct. It gets us there quicker, which means it's less tiring. And this is the promise that if God is deeply involved, then we can start to change our understanding. And we can start to change where we're leaning and where we're placing our confidence as we learn to what it really means to trust him with all our heart. So I would ask if you're taking notes today and it's always a great idea to do so, the first thing I'd ask you to write down is deeply involve God in every aspect of life. Deeply involve God. Acknowledge him in every aspect of life. And in a moment of honesty, if I'm telling you uh, about my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Proverbs might be right up there uh, with one of my favorite books of the Bible. So the book of Proverbs, it's uh, part of a collection of books that's come to be known as the wisdom literature. And so the book of Proverbs is extremely practical. It's extremely logical. If you contrast it to something like Psalms, uh, which is far more poetic, uh, it's far more emotional. The book of Proverbs is far much more, do this and this, and it'll go well for you. And so the book of Proverbs, it was collected and compiled over time. Uh, we know that many of them were written by King Solomon. And these were written down uh, really to inform uh, the young men of influence in the Hebrew culture. So the book of Proverbs, if someone wanted to make a comparison with the book of Proverbs and the leadership books that we have today, think John Maxwell type stuff, um, it wouldn't be an outlandish comparison. They were written down with the idea of we're going to teach these to the young men in the Hebrew community that are taking on positions of leadership and it will help them lead people better. And there's a reason I've heard a number of people say that uh, as a best practice, they'll read one chapter of the book of Proverbs every day. I'm talking about successful business people that will read one chapter from the book of Proverbs every day just because you can glean so much practical insight and so much practical advice on how to live life better and how to live with wisdom so that as you go, it will go better for you. And this is still proving true 3,000 years later. So the book of Proverbs was written approximately 3,000 years ago. And 3,000 years later, what's contained in this book is still proving true as the Lord has breathed this book into people's lives and breathed it into the scriptures so that we can glean from the wisdom that is uh, contained within. And in lots of ways, the world that we live in, and you'll have experienced this just like I have, it is extremely unstable. In lots of ways, it's unpredictable. In lots of ways, it's unfair. And so the book of Proverbs and the advice that it gives, the wisdom that it brings, really is to add some stabilization to life. It's to restore an element of fairness and predictability. 
if you do this, you're setting yourself up with the best shot of things going well. If you put wisdom into place, if you take this advice and you apply it, then you're setting yourself up to stabilize the world around you, even though it's incredibly unstable and unpredictable. You start exercising wisdom, you start to restore a level of stability. And there's many different ways that in culture, in life, that we seek stability. The insurance industry is all about trying to establish a level of stability. We're trying, you know, if something bad happens, then we're going to have the whole insurance industry to try and soften the blow. If you think every, every year there's a new vehicle released and it's got new safety features, the whole idea is to try and add a level of stability. If you think about uh, construction that happens up here in the Northeast compared to construction that happens in Florida or Arizona or Alaska, they're all built differently because they're all trying to stabilize different weather and different climate risks. So this idea of trying to bring a level of stabilization to the world is not certainly nothing new, but this is one of the roles that the book of Proverbs brings from the Bible, is that if you will read this, if you will take this stuff on board, if you will let this grab a hold of your heart and you start living out this way, it will implement a level of stability that will help you go through life. It will help bring peace where there's currently chaos. It will help bring order where things are currently in turmoil. It will help men relationships that otherwise would be fractured. It brings a level of wisdom into our lives. And the invitation from the book of Proverbs is to find stability from our relationship with God. In our relationship with God, and we start listening to what Proverbs has to say, and we start implementing this, is that our relationship with God is driving us to have a level of stability and predictability, a level of fairness in our lives as we start exercising the wisdom that it was in. And this important reminder for Christians is that as we say Jesus is Lord, it's more than just words. It's more than just words. As we try to sort of come to him in our relationship with God and our relationship with Jesus that we're trying to have this stability in life. And it's more than just words that we say Jesus is Lord. To say Jesus is Lord is to say you are so far high and above anything I can comprehend. I'm giving up being Lord of my life and I'm inviting you to be Lord of my life. I'm taking my direction from you. I'm learning from you. You are guiding me. You are taking me places. You are shaping my heart. Your values need to become my values. What matters to you needs to matter to me. My opinion, I'm offering that up. Whatever, I want to know your heart on things. And that is a part of being in a relationship with God is that we're letting that change our understanding. Change our perception. Our understanding by ourselves is unhealthy, it's faulty, causes problems. And as we're thinking about this, this whole idea of don't lean on your own understanding, it is our relationship with God that helps change and transform our understanding of the world around us. And part of following Jesus is the commitment to submit my understanding and what I'm leaning on and invite him to transform my thinking, my values, my priorities, my concerns, my ethics, my morals, so that I'm no longer leaning on my understanding but I'm trusting him with my whole heart. I want to take a few minutes. I want to consider the life of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, uh, I'm sure many of you will be very familiar with uh, him as a very well-known uh, New Testament figure. And he's a relative of Jesus. It's likely that he was a cousin. And he started preaching and teaching and inviting people to receive the message of Jesus before Jesus invited people to receive the message of Jesus. He was teaching people to repent, to turn from their ways, to turn back to God, to live a life of holiness. 
to come back to him. He prepared the way for Jesus to come and do his ministry. And after gaining some uh, notoriety and fame, John had gathered a number of disciples. And the disciples, one day, they come to John. This is after Jesus had begun his ministry. And they were starting to get a little jealous uh, that John's followers, so the crowd that was gathered around John to hear his teaching, uh, that they were starting to follow Jesus instead of coming to John. And this is part of John's reply as his disciples are coming to him and saying, John, the crowd that used to come to us, the crowd that used to go to you to hear your wisdom, they're not coming to us anymore, they're going to Jesus. This is part of John's reply. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He, Jesus, must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And this attitude is an example for us, and it echoes the proverb that we've been looking at, do not lean on your own understanding. See, the leaning isn't the problem. It's what we're leaning on. It's the leaning on our understanding that gets us into trouble. And from John the Baptist, listening to what he has to say about him becoming more and more and us becoming less and less, there's a displacement that happens where our understanding starts to subside and him, his values, his priorities, his perception, what he cares about, what he loves, starts to mean more and more. To not lean on our own understanding, it means shrinking my understanding and elevating him, his principles, his priority, his love in my life. To not lean on my own understanding, but rather displace, transform. And as I transform my thinking, as the love of God shapes my view of the world, myself, my role in it, suddenly, my perception is not where I'm leaning and finding confidence. Suddenly it's not my understanding where I'm leaning and finding confidence, but I'm trusting in him with all my heart. Now, there's an interesting moment uh, in John's life, in Mark 6. See, John and King Herod, they, they had problems, and King Herod was a corrupt king at the time. He never should have been king, uh, but he was put in place, and he had all kinds of craziness going on, and John would confront King Herod about his dysfunctional and sinful marriage, and Herod's wife didn't like this so much, and so she uh, manipulated the situation to have Herod arrest John, throw him in jail, and then she manipulated a whole situation where he had uh, John executed. But the Bible says something interesting. Before he was executed and when he was in jail, it says that Herod would go and visit him and would talk with John. What do they talk about? It says that even though he had a tough time with John, he honored him as a holy man, and he liked to go and listen to him. Now, I don't know, that, that makes no sense to me. So I'll use myself as an example, and I'll, I'll put myself as the bad guy. If someone was mad at me and yelling at me and getting at me and publicly disgracing me, and I had the power and the authority to put that person in prison, so I get sent to the guards, get him in jail, I don't know if I would then go and chat with him. But something that John was saying caused Herod to want to go and hear more. John, who's the one that brought us the principle of he needs to be elevated and I need to shrink myself, surely that would have impacted the words that he was saying and what he was saying, and Herod wanted more. Someone who was a million miles away from God, someone who did not care about the kingdom of God, incredibly wicked man, but there was something that Herod was saying, uh, something that John was saying that Herod wanted to hear more of. And I wonder as we think about the church being receiving end of more and more hostility, 
if we truly are a people where he's becoming more and more and we're becoming less and less, the hostile word that is angry about us one minute will come to listen to what we have to say the next. I have no idea what John the Baptist said to King Herod. And it's amazing to me that Herod would want to go back and get more. My friends, if we are truly are more and more like Jesus, people will want to come and hear what we have to say. People will want to know what is going on, what has happened in our hearts, and our lives, and our minds. What has God done if we truly do take what John had to say seriously, what the proverb had to say seriously, we're not leaning on our own understanding, we're trusting in the Lord with all our heart, our understanding is changing, what we're leaning on is changing, and so that we really are showing the world how incredibly wonderful Jesus is, and that is something I truly believe in. So I've got four ways that I think we can put this into practice. And we're going to get back to the Proverbs and look to see what they have to say. Four ways that I think we can put this into practice. And I'm going to give you a warning now, so please don't be mad. Um, this is the long game. This is not instant success. This is not a scratch card and you're going to get all three numbers. Uh, this is the long game. And I truly believe that if we put this into practice, you and I, if this is the kind of life that we lead, this is the way that we build our faith, I truly believe that we are going to start to see that stability start coming into our lives. But I'm telling you, this is not the instant success formula. This is the do this, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, one day at a time. We will start to see stability enter our lives, and this will help us as we need guidance, get that guidance from the Lord. So are we okay to start, like this is not, okay, this has fixed everything. This is going to be, okay, this is the kind of life of faith I'm going to live, and it's going to set me up when I'm coming to issues where I need guidance. Are we all good so far? All righty. How to lean and understand better. How to lean and understand better. Number one, trust with your whole heart. Remember his track record. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is a big ask. This is a big request unless God has proven himself trustworthy, in which case it makes total sense. This is a big request. Trust in someone with all your heart. If they haven't shown themselves trustworthy, that's a big request. But if God has proven himself worthy, if he has proven himself trustworthy, it makes complete and utter sense. It is perfectly reasonable to question someone that would ask you to trust them with all their heart. It is perfectly reasonable to question that. Which is why it's important that we remember that God truly is trustworthy and he has proved this time and time again. This principle, this is why in the Old Testament, you'll see it many, many times that the Old Testament people were building monuments to God was so that they would remember. The Old Testament people, they would, uh, talk, they, they would be commands. You have to write this down. God did something incredible, write it down. You can't forget this. You need to remember my track record. This is why there's constantly a command for people to tell their children all about what God has done so that the children can see how trustworthy God is. There is a, a, an Old Testament theme that we cannot forget what God has done. We need to remember his faithfulness because there is a 100% chance that you will have many, many opportunities to need to trust God. And in those moments, we need to remember his track record. Write it down. Tell others. Build a monument if you need to. But remember his track record. Second thing, how to learn and understand better. Number two, 
Develop understanding, read the Bible. Now, this is the boring answer. If one person claps, we all have to. We know the rule. Come on now. This is the boring answer. It could be the same boring answer that I come and share with you every week, but I mean it. Whether we like it or not, whether our opinion matches this or not, God chose to reveal himself in a book. God chose over a period of 1,400 years through at least 40 different authors to reveal himself, this is who I am, this matters to me, this is how I want you to live with each other, this is how much I love you, this is the kind of people I want you to be, this is the heart I have towards humanity, this is how I plan on rescuing you, this is the solution, this is the savior that I'm sending to bring you back into a relationship with me, this is why my relationship with me was messed up in the first place. God chose to use this book, the Bible, to reveal this to us. And if we are going to be a generation of people, and if you are breathing today, you are a part of this generation. If we are going to be a part of a generation that is going to see God move, that is going to see people flooding churches, I wholeheartedly believe it is because we are passionate about getting in the Bible and seeing who God is and letting that shape our understanding of Him and consequently the world around us. Bounce back to being passionate about the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, is useful to teach us how to change our understanding, what is true, and make us realize what is wrong with our lives, where our understanding is messed up. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. In the book of Proverbs, I would even say that the understanding that's being challenged is not villainized. The idea of having an understanding is not demonized as something negative, but it is being clearly pointed out to us that our understanding needs to change. And this is the John of Baptist approach I believe is helpful is this change, this displacement, this shifting of the weight about where our understanding comes from. That believing that our understanding is insufficient, faulty, but understanding this is why the New Testament speaks, you know, the importance of renewing our minds, having the mind of Christ, loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, is that we need to change our understanding. And I do believe that digging in the Bible, finding out what God would want to say to you and to me and to anyone else that would pick up that book about who he is, how much he loves us, how much he loves our next door neighbors, how much he loves the people we work with, yes, even that person, I do believe it will shape our understanding in a way unlike anything else. And you may be a long-term Bible reader. If you are, I'm going to guess that you already know that what I'm saying makes complete sense. If you're new to the Bible, if you've neglected Bible reading, no one's mad, no one's upset at you, no one's taken attendance, no one's given you a letter grade, my encouragement to you is dig in somewhere and start seeing how incredible God is. Start seeing, and if you need help about where to start, about what to do, about a Bible reading plan, anything like that, let us know. It would be a true honor to help you get figured out where to start on a journey as you dig into the Bible so you can see how incredible God is. Amen? All right. Do not lean on your own understanding. Our understanding, limited, faulty, a concept of right and wrong, the idea of what's wise and what's foolish. It's never 100% right, but sometimes it's 100% wrong. And this is why daily, regular Bible reading makes such a difference. But the third thing, how to lean and understand better. Number three, acknowledge and deeply involve him. 
Listen in prayer. Acknowledge and deeply involve him. Listen in prayer. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, deeply involve him. Deeply involve him in anything and everything. Bring everything to him in prayer. And this is a consistent biblical theme from Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Ephesians, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Anything that's causing worry. Anything. Whether you're facing a big choice right now, whether you're facing a dilemma right now, whether you're facing the unknown and you've no idea what you're going to do next, bring it in prayer. Whether there's just crisis right now, whether there's relationships in turmoil, whether there's bad news from the doctor, whether a career has come to an end, bring it to God in prayer. Deeply involve him in everything. And then make sure there's room just to listen. Does God speak to us? 100%. Maybe it's a quiet internal assurance. Maybe there's a Bible verse that leaps off the page and floods your mind with meaning. Maybe there's an audible voice. I don't know. But bring your concerns to him in prayer and wait to see what the one who is deeply involved would have to say. Listen in prayer. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you saying this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The lamp that is being talked about here in the psalm is a small, little lamp. It's not a giant flashlight, small lamp. If anything, it would have lit up enough room in front of you for one step at a time. Word from the Lord, helping us figure out the next step. And then go back and get another word and get another step. And go back and get another word. Like we read from Isaiah, do I go left? Do I go right? Go to him in prayer, get a word, come back, make a choice. Go back, need another step in front of you. We need a word, lamp unto my feet. Make time to listen in prayer rather than just a one-way street. We talked about it, remembering God's track record, read the Bible, listen in prayer. And the fourth thing, how to lean and understand better. Number four, he straightens the path. Watch the promise. Watch the promise. And he will make your paths straight. Straight path, nothing to stumble on. Clear vision ahead safe from thieves, more direct, less tiring. That is a straight path. And he will bring stability. That's the stability that we get from applying godly wisdom in our lives. That's what we hear about with a straight path. It reminded me of something Jesus said, another well-known passage that a number of you all know very well. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me help you shift your understanding. Help, let me help teach you. Let me teach you what that looks like so that you become less and less. I become more and more. Because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And this invitation from Jesus, you're done with heavy burdens. 
You're done with crooked roads. Come, trust in me with all your heart. I'll lift burdens, I'll straighten roads. In me, you can find rest. Crooked path, I'll straighten it. Heavy burdens, I'll lift it. Come and find rest in me. Come and rest on me. Do not lean on your own understanding. Find rest in him. Path straightened, burdens lifted. Come and find rest in me. Deeply involve God in every aspect of life. Bring in all concerns, all things. Lord, this is what's going on. This is what's causing me to lose sleep. This is what's stressing me out. Deeply involve God in every aspect of life. Find the stability in the wisdom of God through our relationship with him. Let that stability come. That when life hits, you're not on rocky ground. You're not like Pastor Mike on the bounce house. But there's stability because you built your life on him. Remembering that he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. Committing to the long game, to remember his track record, to get in the Bible, to listen in prayer. And I believe, friends, that we will watch him fulfill his promise that he will lift burdens. He will straighten roads. And in our quest for guidance, I'd rather do it on a straight path. I'd rather do it without the burdens weighing me down. So a couple of questions for you. Maybe this is helpful. Maybe this week you'll have a chance to think through this, pray through this. Consider what this means for you and how you can apply this. But the first question I have is, how can he become greater and greater and you become less and less? That displacement we've talked about, that shifting from our own understanding to be able to trust him with all our heart. And the second question, what can you do to learn and understand better? Sorry, excuse me. What can you do to lean and understand better? To lean not on your own understanding but to lean on him, to trust in him with all your heart and understand better? Do you need to do something to help you remember God's track record? Do you need to start digging in and uh, making Bible reading a regular habit for you? Do you need to take time in prayer to listen to him? What can you do to lean and understand better? And the verse that we read a moment ago from Matthew 11, that invitation from Jesus to lift burdens, to find rest in him. That's no small thing. That's no insignificant thing. It's an invitation for people who don't deserve to have a relationship with the creator of the universe to come and have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And something that is important for us to remember because if we forget, this whole message of Jesus starts to get jaded and starts to get uh, difficult to understand, difficult to comprehend is that there is not a single person alive that can say that they deserve a relationship with God. And part of becoming a Christian is getting to the point where you say, you know what, I, I don't deserve a relationship with God. And then the understanding and the belief that he died on a cross to make it possible for you to have a relationship with him means the world to you. If we believe that God should love us and God should care about us and God should bless me and God should take care of me and God should welcome me into eternal life with him, 
then the cross is diminished. But if we're humble enough and we're honest enough to say, you know what? I can't claim perfection. I don't deserve the love of God. I don't deserve to be in relationship with him. At that moment, the message of Jesus comes alive for you. When you realize that no matter how much you feel you don't deserve it, no matter what is on your list of disqualifications, he says, I love you more than you will ever know. I love you more than you could ever describe. That is a moment when everything changes. And our church is filled with people that would say their life has been changed because they came to that realization and they heard about a God that loves them more than they could ever know. Changes everything. And you may be here today and you may have never had that moment where you said, you know what, I believe in Jesus and I believe that I desperately don't deserve him. But he came anyway. He loves me anyway. He's offering me rest anyway. He's come to bring eternal life anyway. And you may be ready to say, you know what, I'm ready to start figuring out what following Jesus looks like. And we're going to pray in just a moment. And if that's you today, maybe you've never made that decision, or maybe you have and it's kind of gone to the back burner and you wanted to get right to the front and center of your life again, I'd love to pray for you today. So I invite everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads online, please. Join us in this moment. But if you'd be honest enough and open enough today to say, Tom, you know what? I'm not following God. My relationship with him is separated. I don't feel like I'm feeling the rest that Jesus is promising, but I want to. I want to experience that rest. I want to experience that relationship with him. I want to experience the peace that can only come from relationship with God. I'd love to pray for you today. And I promise we're not going to embarrass anyone here, but if that's you, would you just put your hand up for a moment just so I know who we're praying for? Amen. Thank you. Anyone else here? At home, you can click the button that says, I raise my hand. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you. Amen. Anybody else here? Amen. Come on, Word of Life Church, can we please celebrate people making the best decision? We're going to pray a prayer together, and the words are going to be on the screen. I'm going to say a line, and then I want to invite every single person here to say this back. And if you're praying this for the first time, my encouragement to you is you pray a prayer like this, and you believe it, it changes everything. So come on, church, let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Amen. If you're one of those people and you put your hand up, either here in person or online, there's three things I encourage you to do. The first thing is tell someone today about the decision you made. And tomorrow, read your Bible. And next week, be back in church. Today, tell somebody. Tomorrow, read your Bible. And next week, be back in church. 
Amen. Come on, let's welcome Pastor Megan and James back.